Representing Rural Podcast by Rural Community Alliance. I am Candace Williams, and today we have um, Nick Cartwright, um, who's running for office uh, for Senate. Um, how you doing, Nick? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on, Candace. Thank you. So we're continuing our series, of course, um, around rural candidates, people from rural Arkansas who are running for um, either local offices or statewide offices. Um, so Nick, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to run? Absolutely. Well, my name is Nick Cartwright. I'm running for State Senate District 18, which covers all of White County uh, and parts of Cleburne and Faulkner County. Um, I'm from the small town of Rosebud, which has a population of 500 people. I uh, lived there pretty much my whole life and graduated high school there. Uh, went to UCA uh, for my bachelor's degree and then moved back home to run for city council uh, and get involved locally. And that's when I started working for RCA for a couple of years. Um, and since then, I've been working um, in the nonprofit and policy world, uh, working on different kinds of public policy from education to food and farm policy. Um, and now I work for a group called Arkansas Community Organizations, uh, helping low-income and working-class families uh, get the resources and community power that they need. Um, what inspired me to run was, honestly, people like my parents. So my parents are both working-class. Neither of them went to college. Um, and they uh, have really just worked their tails off their entire life to provide for me and my younger sisters. And there's so many people uh, who are doing that across District 18 and across rural Arkansas. Um, they're truly just working, you know, full time. Some of them are working two or three jobs just to make ends meet. And they're just trying to provide for their kids so that that next generation can have a better life than they did. And so um, that's what's inspired me to run. Um, I've run for local office and, and held lo local office before. Um, but taking that next step and running for the state legislature, I think, is important, especially uh, for a couple of practical reasons, you know, we haven't had somebody run for the state Senate in this area in over a decade. Um, and just to be a voice for rural communities and for young people, you know, we don't have any representation uh, for folks under 30 in the legislature right now. And being someone who's also young, I'm 28, you know, I think it would be important to um, have those constituencies represented. All right. All right, Nick. Um, so, what are you, so you're running for a Senate district. What's the district 18, number? 18. Okay, what does it cover? What all does it cover? So it's all of White County. So that includes towns like Searcy and BB, um, smaller towns like Rosebud, Romance, where I'm from, Bald Knob, uh, Kensett. And then it also goes into Cleburne County. So the Hopewell, Heber Springs area. Oh. And then down into Faulkner uh, through like Quitman and Mount Vernon pretty big district so wow okay so you said it has been 10 years since someone from um the more rural parts of white county has ran for for senate or any statewide uh, elected seat or state elected seat yeah um because you know the the lines just changed for redistricting mm -hmm. um so it's a little bit different but um as far as the Democratic Party, which I'm running as a Democrat, uh, we have not had somebody run in this area in, in at least 10 years in wow. either the House or the Senate. So, um, yeah, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> Peace. All right. Um, so what are you hoping to accomplish if you are elected to this office? So I think it's 
actually appropriate that I'm uh, on your podcast this week because I just announced uh, today, actually, my rule agenda for District 18. And like all good things in politics, rule is an acronym. Mm -hmm. um, and it stands for Reviving Main Street, uh, Universal Broadband, Reinvesting in Public Schools, uh, affordable housing, and then local food systems. And I'm happy to delve into each of those or we can kind of skim them. Yeah. You want to tackle that. Let the people know, you know, what do you plan on doing with each one of those letters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So reviving Main Street to me is all about um, making sure small businesses have what they need to compete with corporations. You know, in a lot of small towns, we have Dollar Generals and Dollar yeah. Trees coming in and shutting down you know, these local mom and pop stores that have been uh, around forever. And, you know, people might think that's a good thing on its face, but really it, it harms local economies for the long run. And just making sure small businesses have what they need, um, making their taxes fair, uh, making sure we're investing uh, in technical resources and giving them more access to capital, uh, but also investing in rural jobs, making sure that you know, we're offering grants and loans and new investment for small businesses. I know that our Economic Development Commission has really focused on certain areas of the state, and I think rural Arkansas has been left behind. Um, and then with universal broadband, I think those kind of play off each other because, you know, we, you, we need broadband and high-speed internet for running businesses. We need it for paying bills. We need it for going to school, going to work. Um, and it's something we've talked about for two decades and we still haven't gotten it done. Um, and I think the big reason for that is because we haven't, um, you know, put the state investment into it that we've needed to. We've gotten a lot of money from the federal government um, and we've been, you know, doling that out to um, different companies across the state. And I think that has been somewhat successful and we've seen the pace pick up here recently but we could be doing more I mean we're sitting on a billion over a billion dollar surplus and I think some of that money should be used for broadband I mean there it's as essential of a utility as water or electricity in today's world um, and this is a big one for RCA but reinvesting in public schools I mean we all know public schools are the heart and the hub of rural communities and whether we're talking it being the largest employer or um, where all of the social and cultural things happen in a rural town. Um, we've underfunded them for too long. That's an issue RCA has worked on uh, since its inception. And, um, you know, we've, we've got to do more. We've got to pay teachers better, pay staff better. I think we should end the focus on standardized testing and really prepare kids for not only college, but trade school and going into the workforce. Um, because a lot of kids are graduating these days and they just really don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. um, and schools have not prepared them and it's not their fault you know I think our state really has to start making policy that is geared towards making sure students are successful yeah. um could, probably could do a whole podcast episode or two on education but I'll stop there yeah um, yeah <laughs> have a full discussion on education so what do you say to the people um that um say that the schools have received this um this amount of funding, this new, you know, amount of funding from the feds uh, because of COVID. And um, I think the last check, it was like 10% statewide of those COVID related funds have been spent among districts. Um, so what would you say to people that, um, that may um, counter your, your um, statement around 
public school funding um, and saying, hey, they have all this money now and they're not even spending it. What yeah, I will say this. I think I think we should be spending that money. <laughs> um, I think we definitely should. But um, I don't think too much is ever enough when we're talking about our kids and our future and mm. our rural communities. I, I, I just don't buy into that. I mean, I think a lot of the people that would also say that want that money to go towards tax cuts for the rich. And so I just don't see those two being on anywhere near the same level. Um, you know, I don't know the specifics of, of each, you know, even school in my district um, that needs to spend that money. But um, I think it should be on administrators. You know, these are the people that are paid the big bucks to make these decisions and get this money spent. I also think that the federal and state governments should be making it easier for them to spend that money. You know, this is our taxpayer money. And we, we put all these restrictions and, and timelines and different things on school districts to spend it um, and maybe hamper them in the process. So maybe cutting a little bit of that red tape um, would help as well. Yeah, so I, I wonder, especially for a small district, is it the fear of spending the money in a category that's not allowable? Is it the fear of fiscal distress? I'm really wondering like, what is the, the holdup um, for lack of better words of, of spending that money or the lack of urgency around spending that money? Uh, because as we know, our children have really suffered due to COVID, especially education-wise, social-emotional-wise. And from my understanding, that's what those funds are supposed to be you know, spent on. So yeah, that's just a question that I have. And it'll be interesting to see how the districts in your, uh, the district that you were running, how the districts in your city district, um, how they spent that money thus far. Absolutely, and I think that's a good point. I mean, I, and you can't blame rural schools. I mean, but you never know what's gonna happen around the corner. So, right. um, I feel like that that's a part of it. I may be wrong, yeah. but. I definitely feel like that's a part of it, just the fear of fiscal distress and that, you know, those funds may be spent in the wrong category and then, you know, you'll be in trouble. So, yeah, and it's a lot of money all at once. It, you know, we get out here and we advocate for, you know, funding and all that. And then it's just dropped and it's like, OK, what do I do with it? Um, so I feel like more support. Um, administrators need more support around that, especially from rural places on exactly Absolutely. how to spend that money and the need to go ahead and, and spend it on things that our that students need. Um, so what are you committing to do if elected? Yeah, so I will try to, I guess, answer that more directly than just talking about like the issues um, right. and the rural agenda. But yeah, I think there's several policies that have to happen to make the rural agenda possible. You know, we had that billion dollar surplus and making sure, you know, I think they're probably going to try and spend a lot of that in this special session that's supposedly going to happen this year. Um, but, you know, ensuring that rural places have a voice at the table and um, increasing funding for those different priorities that I laid out, especially things like housing mm -hmm. that really aren't getting funded at all, especially in rural areas. I mean, the housing just doesn't exist for growth or for really to maintain what we have um and then finding new revenue streams you know i and i'll i'll talk about this in kind of the next point too but 
you know, we do not have a fair tax code and it, we're seeing that play out when it comes to funding school districts and when it comes to funding different state programs. Um, and I think that all gets back to prioritizing working class people and middle class families, uh, people that are out there working hard every day to provide uh, for themselves. And, you know, we've seen, uh, frankly, Republicans, you know, take over state government in Arkansas and aggressively cut taxes for the wealthy and corporations. And that has killed our revenue streams. Um, and so we have to find a way to adjust that. You know, I would advocate for a progressive tax code um, and really, you know, reversing those tax cuts. And I think we'd start to see more money flow in. Um, and then, you know, when we do invest in places and we do put grants and loans out there, making sure we're investing it in jobs um, and specifically rural jobs, because the, you know, if you're not in Northwest Arkansas, Northeast Arkansas, Jonesboro or Little Rock, um, you know, there really is no one advocating for jobs in your area unless you're doing it yourself. And so why are our politicians not doing that? Why are these Republicans that represent rural areas not doing that right now? And the other thing I'll commit to doing um, is, you know, being a voice to stop the attack on marginalized people in Arkansas. Uh, we've seen that this last week with reproductive rights being taken away. Um, Arkansas had one of the most um, harsh laws around that um, to where if you need reproductive procedures right now, it has to be an extreme circumstance. Um, but also the attack on the poor, cutting Medicaid, cutting state services, the elderly, um, you know, are always at risk of losing, you know, like their retirement or having social security cut. Um, and then transgender youth and adults that are just constantly under attack. Um, and I know these are social issues that a lot of rural people may not like to talk about all the time, uh, but it's important because we could be spending time talking about solutions for rural communities, um, but instead we're attacking marginalized people that already, um, you know, don't have it great in our state. It's very interesting that you brought up housing because um, I guess on surface people are like, well, you know, rural people, they live where they live. No one is really coming in. So they have to have the amount of housing that they need, right? But that's definitely not the case. Um, like I moved back home in 2017 and I that has been an issue since I moved back. Um, I know of a lot of rural districts where uh, teachers are driving in every day because of that, you know, there's no housing. So I would really like to see uh, more work, more work done around like rural housing um, that's affordable and that is, you know, a good quality and all of those things. So that, that's a really good point. Um, do you have anything else to add about what you're committing to do if elected? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that could be a super long conversation. Um, <laughs> one of the other things I will mention is a living wage. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we recently had the minimum wage raised in Arkansas via ballot initiative, mm -hmm. which I think is really awesome. Um, mm -hmm. And voters overwhelmingly approve of that. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's quite enough. I would fight for $15 an hour in Arkansas. Um, and I think that would put us on the path to making sure that people can afford to live. And even in rural areas, I think people get this misconception that rural areas are so much, you know, have such a less cost of living, which it may be so, you know, compared to places like Little Rock and Northwest Arkansas. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of the other things you pay for, whether it's 
goods or just transportation, you know, those things aren't really that much less. And so finding a way to help, you know, especially small businesses overcome maybe that $15 minimum wage would be, would be nice too. That's a great point that you made about the cost of living because, you know, we typically live so far away from everything. Um, and then I know in my part of the state, and I know this is something I have harped on because it's my everyday life, the roads, you know, so yes. if you have a car and you're able to go back and forth, those roads are going to just, you know, tear it up real good. So mm-hmm. yeah, the cost of living to live in rural places is, you know, the transportation alone that, that, that cuts into the budget that they think we have. So, um, I'm with you on that. Um, so what are some of the foreseen obstacles to accomplishing what you would like to if elected? Yeah, I think there's a couple. Um, I think one is honestly my age, just, you know, maybe some of the older politicians, if I were to get elected, not taking some of the issues young people care about seriously, which, you know, aren't that different from, from older people. You know, we want good jobs. We want, you know, affordable education, affordable housing, things like that. Um, but some of these more contentious issues like climate change or student debt um, really start, need to start being talked about in Arkansas. Uh, to me, taking action on those is imperative. And, you know, we can't, we can't wait a decade or two or it's going to be too late for a lot of our farmers or, you know, you're going to have a lot of people not buying houses or starting families that could have if we had taken action on those things. Um, I think another obstacle could be, you know, if I'm elected as a Democrat, we would probably still have a, a Republican majority or even a super majority in the Senate and the House and potentially, you know, as you know, working with the Republican governor. And so finding a way to work around that or work through it, you know, and, you know, come together on the issues we agree on um, will be hard. Uh, compromise is hard and uh, working on bipartisan issues is hard, especially in today's political environment. And then um, I would say also just persuading state officials to focus on on rural areas. I know that this was talked about at y'all's conference over the weekend, but um, a lot of people just are so focused on funding these larger cities, you know, Little Rock or Northwest Arkansas, and it's nothing against those places, but um you know, we really have to convince some of these either state officials or even the people in the legislature that rural Arkansas is worth fighting for. It's worth mm-hmm. investing in because um, I don't think it's that apparent to some people anymore. And so we have to we have to show them that. Right. Especially, you know, um, with the census data showing us what we already knew that people are leaving pretty yeah. much everywhere in the state besides, you know, Little Rock. Of course, Northwest Arkansas, um, like the Jonesboro area, and I think it's a spot down there in Southwest or South Central. But other than that, it's people are leaving. Um, so it's kind of hard to, to fight for that. Um, but and, that, and that's something that Rural Community Alliance really focused on, um, as you know, with the cybersecurity and IT, uh, showing the benefit of communities across the state with the same goal. So maybe that's our way forward, like really, you know, making sure that communities across the state with, you know, different um, different demographics, political views, they come together around common issues or, or common goals. And that's how we're able to get this grant funding. I don't know, but that's something that we're gonna keep working toward. 
Um, so November, um, you wake up the day after election day. Um, if you are elected, you've kind of shared with me, you know, what you would do, but if you're not elected, what, what's next for Nick? Yeah, well, that's a great question. I'm honestly just trying to make it through like tonight. Uh, but <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to take it a, like a day and a week at a time uh, running a campaign. But you know, I I'm open. You know, I'm always going to be engaged politically. Um, you know, continuing to build the Democratic Party, especially in rural areas where we, frankly, have not been in too long. And um, when you don't have any, you know when you don't have different opinions in places, um, it, it hurts and it hurts um, in more ways than one. I, you know, I, I wanna continue to be involved. I don't know when or if I'll run for office again, if I'm not elected, mm -hmm. uh, we'll see about that. Um, but yeah, I'm just gonna keep doing the work and, um, you know, given the places that um, are, are doing the right thing. And I think RCA is one of those, you know, um, I would even love to help, you know, start reactivating some chapters that uh were around when I worked there so um yeah all right um so is there anything else you want to add before letting people know um where to find out more information about you and your campaign how they can support you yeah uh we have a website it's cartwrightforarkansas.com um and the four is f-o-r not the number uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, at Nick Cartwright AR, or sorry, in Cartwright AR. And then um, I would just encourage people to make sure your registration is up to date. Um, we've made it a little tougher to register and, and get to the polls. So make sure, um, you know, well in advance that you have a voting plan um, and that you're bringing people with you, because that's how we're going to change things in rural communities and all across the state is engaging and getting people to the polls. So um, yeah, that'd be my final message. All righty, it's been a pleasure. And as you know, this is not RCA endorsing any candidate when we we're interviewing people with the Rural Candidates um, series. It's just us providing a platform for our members and our the friends of RCA to learn about people from rural places uh, running for office. It has been a pleasure uh, talking with you today, Nick. So. Um, you take care. Until next time. Thank you, Candace. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you all for joining us for another episode of the Representing Rural podcast and our series around rural candidates. Um, so the only rural power move that I have today is to simply organize. Find out or create a group or join with another group or of people in your community who are doing the good work. Um, come up with some goals for you to further that work, uh, expand that work. Um, rural people, we have to save ourselves. No one is coming in um, to save the day. It has to be on us. And even if, you know, <laughs> <laughs> someone does come in to quote unquote save the day um we'll still have to be organized to make sure that um, our goals um, our values are at the forefront of what is happening what is going on in our community so that's all i have for today is to organize and also i guess that's not the only thing 
but um register people to vote in your community again no one from the outside has to come in that is internal work that definitely can be done um but if you do need support from rural community alliance we're more than willing to to do it but if you have a family member um, a niece a cousin nephew who just graduated from high school they're 18 make sure they're registered to vote and not just register but that we that we move them to the point that they actually act and that they are participating and engaged in the elections um so that's all that i have for you regarding our rural power move um y'all be sure to join us probably won't be next week because of the holiday but we'll definitely be back the following week with another episode featuring a rural candidate from arkansas y'all take care